Conversation with Tommy Weber. Pro and college baseball coach Tommy Weber brings you cutting-edge interviews and thought-provoking commentary in a weekly podcast dedicated to baseball, sports, current events, and the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and TommyWeberBaseball.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TommyWeberBaseball. It's time to get the conversation started, so here's your host, Tommy Weber. From the Gotham Podcast Studio in the heart of downtown New York City, Tribeca, my hometown, the greatest city in the world. Welcome back to the conversation with Tommy Weber as Don Henley, Glenn Fry, and the boys lead us in with Hotel California. Got a great show back from the Cape. It's great to be back. It's been a long summer. But as usual, a very fulfilling one. Had a lot of great players, a lot of great experiences on the Cape we'll talk about as the year goes on. Um, my guest today, dear friend and uh, manager of the Orleans Firebirds for the last 15 or so years. Um, the Orleans Firebirds are one of the gold standard franchises in the Cape Cod League. And nobody does it better than uh, my friend Kelly Nicholson. Kelly, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Tommy. Thank you for the nice words. It's, um, I'm honored to be on your show. Well, we're honored to have you. We've got Matt here in the studio with me, and uh, it'll, as I said to you earlier, it's going to be a blast. You're a great guy, and uh, you do a fabulous job, and I admire everything about your franchise, especially about the way you and your coaches conduct yourselves and your players, and uh, it's always a, uh, a lot of fun to play against you and the Orleans Firebirds. And that's actually um, one of the things I wanted to get into right away with you is um, I'm all about, uh, you know, I love to study organizations, and I love to... Um, uh, see why things work and why they don't. And I would love for you to give us a, a bird's eye view uh, on how, uh, from the inside out, you guys seem to always get it right. It never seems like the season sneaks up on you. Uh, whenever we visit your park, uh, everything is absolutely uh, done to a T, perfect. And uh, you never leave Orleans wanting. Please give us some insight into how you guys go about your business. Well, that's Really nice of you to say, Tommy. Uh, I think it all kind of starts at the top. We have a great organization with our executive committee, our president, Gene Hornsby, and our general manager, Sue Horton. Ms. Sue has been there for probably, I'm going to say at least 20 years, Tommy. She's been there as long as I've been there. And Steve Guerin, our treasurer, and the ladies that run our clinic, Nancy Nickerson and Elaine Brickman, whom I work with on a daily basis, daily basis. And then we have people behind the scenes, Stu Murray's and Bob O'Donnell's who do marketing and PR and handle our, our broadcasting. And then we have Lisa Ratke who handles our merchandising. And I think what you have back there, Tommy, you have a bunch of people that really care about our organization and about the Firebirds and about one another. And I think when you have care, you oftentimes can turn out a, a really good product and, I think that's what we have. And then I'm super fortunate to have very, very good coaches. We have had very good coaches for as long as I've been there. When I was assistant, we had great managers. And when I became the manager, we have had extremely good coaches, extremely good coaches, many whom have moved on to college positions, prominent college positions. And 
and prominent pro positions. Well, that's so, that's certainly a bunch of really good people that care, Tommy. That's a testament to you and the organization. No question about that. You know, quality begets quality. And, um, you know, whether it's uh, Bill Parcells or Bill Belichick or any other great manager or head coach in any other sport, you see uh, that tree tends to extend far beyond just uh, the franchise. And that certainly is the case in Orleans. Another thing I, I, you know, the players talk, as we all know, it's a very small world, this baseball world. Yes. Um, it's impossible <laughs> yes. to keep a secret. It really is. Uh, but the players, uh, they talk. And, and the one thing um, your players talk about is they feel satisfied. They feel well taken care of. And talk to me a little bit. Is there a credo that you have with respect to how you treat your players? Um, is there some kind of organizational doctrine that you go by which uh, renders your players actually your best advertisement well it's interesting you say that because we do talk about that and we do have a mission statement and we tell them i i let it be known to them and through them that they are our best recruiters so amen one of the one of the very one of the most important things to us is when they leave Orleans, we want them to leave. Most importantly, Tommy, we want them to leave a better person mm -hmm. for the people that they've come in contact with, the friends they've made, the relationships that they have formed, the coaches that they're going to come in contact with, not only from our organization, from, but from people like you and Pick and Donnie Snedded and mm -hmm. Jerry Weinstein and all of you great, great coaches and Thank even you. better Thank men. You. Thank you. So th that's important to us. Um, and we want it to be a positive experience for them. And we really want to stay out of their way. We want to do things with discipline and we want to have respect for the game. And if it's not going on at their final destination, which is a major league baseball level, we don't want it going on in our dugout or on our field. We talk about the acronym PAR. In fact, this was my first day back at Loyola High School. And PAR is I'll show them a golf ball, and it's simply an acronym for punctuality, accountability, and respect. And we want them to be on time, and we want them to be accountable for their actions, and we want them to be res respectful to everybody that they come, come in contact with on the Cape for the 60 to 70 or so days that they're back in Orleans. And we're all guests, and we need to treat that league as the best league in the country, the best amateur league in the country. No doubt. And we want to treat it with the respect that it deserves. It's interesting how you juxtapose the implementation of some semblance of uh, discipline um, without cracking the whip. And then you do what I think is the benchmark of every great leader, coach, parent, teacher, whatever it is. You say, I want to stay out of their way. Elaborate a little bit on how you balance those two. Because I think in most, especially with young guys... They think it's an either or. They think it's either the right. wild, wild west or you have to right. ride herd on guys until, you know, you break them. Talk about that. Well, that's a good question, Tommy. And what we try to do by staying out of their way, we want to we give them the freedom to play the game. Uh, we give them a green light. We let them swing 3-0. We do not, as long as I have been in Orleans, we will not ever call a pitch. I love it. Um, I love so that's kind of the way, oh that's kind of what I mean by staying out of their way. We we understand that those players are the best players in the United States and they're spread amongst those two ten teams in the country and we understand that they're there for a reason. 
we don't want to screw them up. <laughs> so <laughs> if we can, about the only thing that I will ask them is, hey, what are you working on? Or the assistant coaches will ask them, what are you working on? And if it's one or two things that they can improve on when they go back to their respective universities, awesome. And then we're just another set of eyes. I always tell them, hey, if we see something, we may throw it out there and it's just food for thought. Just kind of keep it on the back burner of your memory and let it, let it soak in a little bit. But team and Christmas, the last thing that we want to do is try to get them up there and, and really try to really coach them up or anything like that. You know, it'll be another set of eyes. We want to try to help them improve that the one or two things that they're working on throughout the summer. And again, most importantly, go back a better player and a better and a better person. We give our coaching staff a lot of freedom. And I'm going to be very, very honest with you. My first three or four years as the manager, I didn't know our offensive signs. I had no idea what our <laughs> offensive signs were. I would lean into, you know, one of our assistants, they hated Coach Gore, just put on a bunt sign there because I wanted him to have that freedom to run the offense. I wanted our pitching coach to go out and make a mound visit. Uh, he he would ask me uh, early on as as our pitching coach Chris Beck, who is who was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. He'd say, "Hey, what do you think? Should we get him?" And I'd say, "I don't know. You're the pitching coach. You make the decision." <laughs> so I wanted them to have that kind of authority. And I think when those guys take ownership, then they become more invested in in what they're doing. So that's kind of what we mean by by staying out of their way and giving them authority to. To, to run the pitching staff, to run the offense, to run the defense, to set guys, uh, you know, get them in the proper defensive alignment. Mm -hmm. And then with the players, man, like I said, we just want them, if it's not going to take place in the major leagues, then we don't want to take them place on our field at Eldridge Park or at Brewster right. or at Katuit or wherever we're playing, man. We're not going to, I've never seen guys play, uh, hacky sack in front of a big league dugout. Amen. And, Amen. You know, and we're going to get off the bus and we're going to, we're going to enter the field together. And I know we're one of the few teams that do it, but we're going to be, you know, we're going to be dressed for BP. We're going to wear our hats properly and we're going to be in pants and um, we're going to do things together as one unit because we're, we're a team. And I, I just want to represent the Cape league the, the, in the best possible form that it, like I said, that it deserves. It's interesting you mentioned that if it's not done in a big league field or in a big league clubhouse, you're not going to do it. I, I don't know where we stopped emulating the way the game is played at the highest level in the world and started forgiving a lot of these, um, a lot of these things that people do on a field that you would never see on a baseball field. You and I had discussed this before. You would never see a base coach walk on and off the field. I mean, you, you, <laughs> no. you can watch a thousand major league games. You're not seeing a bench, uh, a base coach walk yet in college. I see guys walk on and off the field all the time. And for me, it's almost a deal breaker. You could be Casey Stengel. If I see you walk on and off the field, you've lost all your credibility to me. You really have. Yeah, if you're not that. showing some energy, how could you expect your players to be energetic and to have some life if you don't have any life? Well, I'm with you. And I know that we were talking about Jerry Weinstein the other day and what great energy and what a great mind and what a great human being he is. He's and, relentless. And I told you, I share with you, I said, man, I hope when I'm, when I'm Jerry's age that I have half of his energy, man, because he, he beats most of us in that category. Well, and, it's highly uh, unlikely that that's going to happen because he has more energy than we do now. 
Yeah, no, no kidding. He really no does. Kidding. He really does. Um, I mean, at, at times I look, I'm, I say to myself, he's either great or crazy because he just never stops. But, you know, and a lot of guys don't like it. And there are times when it, when, you know, if we're going bad, I don't like it either. But I got to say it. I give the guy a lot of credit because it takes a lot to always look like you're a big leaguer. It does. I'm sorry. Yeah, no doubt. And, and he raises the bar for all of us in the Cape. And I think we're extremely fortunate to have guys like you and guys like Jamie and guys like Mike Roberts and Pick and Donnie Snedden. And I know Donnie's not coming back next year. Um, you know, Jim Lawler, just to, gosh, Jeff Trundy, all of those guys, all of those guys, they, uh, you know, they, we hold each other to a high standard, but man, Jerry sets the bar extremely, extremely high. And yeah, you better be on uh, your toes you know, when he's you, around. You know, I, I look across the dugout at him, man, and I'm, I'm just, I'm honored and it's an honor and a privilege to, to share an evening with him. Uh, as Jeff Trundy says, I've, I've learned so much from watching Jerry coach and, manage players and manage the game and he's boy he's a he's a prince of a man and an outstanding he's a genius when it comes to baseball and he's got just enough assassin in him that if you you know you miss a trick he's gonna bury you and that's oh yeah that is i i like that i'm sorry i know that's not very popular anymore but i think you got to have a little bit of criminal in you and and you could just yeah. see he has that little twinkle in his eye that if he, if he gets you down he's stepping on your throat and oh um, yeah I, I really he like that about him. Yeah, he doesn't lack for competitiveness, no, which, no. Uh, I pre- which I appreciate as well, Tommy. No, he doesn't. We are uh, we're going to take a break real quick. This is a fabulous start. What a leadoff show this is, Kelly. Uh, exactly as I thought it would be. You're, you're an absolute super guest. And uh, so we'll be right back with Kelly Nicholson. You're listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. We'll be right back. This episode of The Conversation with Tommy Weber is brought to you by 4momalz.com. Join the fight against Alzheimer's and support our good friends, Hunter and Braden Bishop, as they bring awareness to a struggle that many families face through their charity, 4mom. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at hashtag 4mom. And for all your mortgage needs, call Northern Security Capital Corp., the New York area's most dedicated mortgage broker. If you're buying or refinancing a home, there's only one place to go. Call Northern Security Capital Corp. today at 718-273-1010. And now, back to the show. We've got Kelly Nicholson, manager of the Orleans Firebirds, my friend great competitor, one of the gold standard franchises in Orleans. Kelly, you know, we were talking before about uh, all the virtues of the Cape Cod League, and there are all too many to mention, as we both know. Uh, It's really a great honor just to be a part of the league. Uh, But here's a question that I I think is um, essential, especially at this time of the year when uh, I'm sure you do it. Once the season's over, you take a look in the mirror and you see what you could have done better and how you can improve for the following season. You're that kind of guy. You can't get to where you get without being uh, critical of yourself and probably too critical of yourself, as, as many of us probably are. But that's the nature of the beast. What uh, what changes would you make if tomorrow you owned the Cape Cod League? What what do you, what do you th- where do you think we can do better? Well, wow, that's a really good question, Tommy. And I, I think one thing that 
In fact, I just had this conversation with our general manager, and I, I sent a text to the other four managers in our division. I think we have to somehow find a way to shorten the season a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we get these young men home so they can have seven to 10 or 14 days between their summer ball season and when their first day of classes start at their respective universities. And let me stop you right there. I want you, I want you to hold your thought just so everybody realizes this. There is no shortage of players in the Cape Cod league who start their season basically in January, play a Mm -hmm. full season, 56 games, do not go home, come straight out to the Cape. And if the playoffs go long enough, return back to school without ever going home. So they will not be home until the Thanksgiving holiday. So just so people understand, we're we're not talking about, you know, coddling kids or, you know, 21st century and being soft with kids here. We're talking about kids who may not be able to get home for 11 months. And Kelly, continue, uh, please. So I think we need to find a way to do that. And if I was, as you said, in charge of the Cape, what I would like to see, and I and I don't think it will ever happen, I would like to see us go back to only two teams from each division in the playoffs. And if I was king of the Cape, I would just take the division winners, let them play a two out of three, and have everybody home by probably August 4th or 5th. I agree. Now, like I, like I said, Tommy, that's, that's probably not going to happen, but I think what that would do it's going to give the division – you're going to reward your division winners. Right. right. Now, with eight teams in the playoffs, there's not a huge advantage nope. to winning the division. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys in, in 2017 – That's right. Uh, I believe finished – where'd you finish? Third. Right. And played – is that correct? Yes. And you played YD, who finished second, who had a right a, a very good record. And Absolutely. you guys, I believe, finished 500, but really played well at the end. Yep, yep. And obviously beat YD, the defending champion. And then you came in and and beat us in, in game three and went on to win the whole thing in 2017. That's correct. And I've told people, you know, and I will continue to do it <laughs> probably as long as they're, I'm there and whether or not they listen is another thing, but Hey, I'm just a believer in, Hey, let's, let's reward those teams that have earned the right during those 44 games to get their way into the playoffs and win a Cape league title. Hey, it's cool, man. When a third or fourth place team can do something like, like you guys did, Mm -hmm. but back in 2005, the third and fourth place teams weren't even in it. And, you know, like I said, to get, to get kids home early to reward division winners, I would take the top two division winners, let play two out of three. And I think you'd have, you could still play 44 games, which is a good schedule. And you could still have a division. You could have your division winners play for a Cape league title and have everybody home August 5th. I, I, I love the idea. It's the exact same scenario that I would present. And I'll, and I'll say this, here's what I think one of the issues is with, with the league is that sometimes you look and you take the short money and you don't look at the long-term benefit or detriment. Uh, Although I understand there are some fiscal imperatives involved here where teams get a gate or whatever, or you sell more stuff. That's all well and good. But 
you have to weigh that against the credibility of the league. And after a while, you know, you, you, you could in the future start to lose players even earlier. Guys will be less inclined to come out and the overall quality of the league could suffer so that a few teams could make a few more thousand bucks in a playoff series. Also, if you're going to put your foot and put your pedal to the metal, let it be so that you get into an exclusive playoff spot because it really is a sprint when you really think about it. It's 44 yep. games. And now everything should be geared towards winning a, winning a division. Winning the division should give you the the highest likelihood of winning a championship. You should not reshuffle the deck and then make everybody even again because then there's really no incentive. Once you know 30 games in, you're going to make it. There's really no incentive to blow it out. There just isn't. Right. And I agree with you. Um, I think there is a real... I think there's a, 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 a benefit to winning the division. I think that those division winners should be held in higher regard. And I do believe the target date should be August 5th because the reality is that kids are looking to go. They start, they start caring more about going home than they do about playing the schedule. And I think you have to find a way to mitigate against that. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more. I wish you were the were the new commissioner, Tommy. We could <laughs> we could get that implemented. I don't think year. can they afford me. In, I don't think so. <laughs> in 2019, but and I, I get all those fiscal responsibilities as well. I know that it's extremely crowded on the Cape in August, and I know that the crowds are big. I know the crowds are big at Elfridge in August, and I and I understand that. But I I do also understand too that, like you said. Uh, some of the some of the talent was not there at the end of the that's right at the end of the summer. Some of the kids had gone home for whatever reasons. Some some real and some imagined. Yeah, I think even in the championship series, Tommy, I, I'm sure that that was not the the roster that Don Snedden uh, had. No way. Together when he yeah, there's no way. No so, way. You know, you're trying to you're trying to uh, put ten pounds of poop in a five pound bag and i'm not quite sure how we're going to do it yep. but yep. that's I, how i would do it if, if i were king of the cape well that's a great it's a great point now um talk to me a little bit about where you are you know we hear we have so much information thrown at us obviously you and i grew up in a game where the only information you got was from your teammates and some of your coaches who probably didn't know a whole hell of a lot because everybody wasn't an expert it was just basically guys who were kind enough to donate their time and put down a set of bases and tell you to go and play. I mean, really, we ran our own games for the most part. Um, talk to me about where you are with the proliferation of personal coaching, experts, uh, especially at an early age. I mean, nine-year-olds going in and getting, yeah. um, you know, hitting instructions. Just give me kind of the Kelly Nicholson point of view on all of this. Well, kind of in a nutshell, Tommy, here's what I'd like to say. Here's what I tell people. I run our clinics along with our players during our, our summer season. We have seven weeks of clinics and we go nine to 11 and we get a bunch of kids and it's an opportunity to share my thoughts with parents. And they always ask me the question, how, how can my son, and then we have some young ladies in our, in our clinics as well, how can they become better players? And I'm a firm, firm believer. It's been my experience on the Cape, my experience here at Loyola High School for the past 35 years, just being year 36, that our best athletes, 
that we've had here in the past 35 years have been multi-sport athletes. If I asked you the best athlete in your generation, I would bet a dime to a dollar that you're going to say you're, the answer you give is going to be a multi-sport athlete. Bo Jackson. The, the best, right? Bo Jackson. Bobby, Val- Bobby Valentine. Who- Bobby Valentine. Bobby Valentine. And the, the best players that we have had in the Cape Cod Baseball League have been multi-sport athletes. Yep. Our best, arguably our best position player, he was the MVP of the Cape, was Colton Wong. Colton was a fantastic high school football player and arguably at least numbers wise and pretty good stuff. And he's pitching in the big leagues now was Marcus Stroman. He was a fantastic point guard in high school. They're multi-sport athletes. um, And it just doesn't make any sense to me that we have 10 year olds playing 13 months a year and we have major leaguers that play nine and 10 months a year. You know, they, they take a break and we need a break. And I'm not a big fan. I am not a big fan of travel ball. I would like this. I would like to see it go away. And I know travel ball has blown up and it provides a lot of seems to provide a lot of great opportunities and relationships to kids and families all over the country. But I'm kind of an old school guy and I, I would like to, I'm not a big fan of the pay to play. And I think the travel ball creates a lot of, entitlement and it's all about the individual and winning games and having we become greater than me goes away and i'm not a big fan of it at all yeah you really get into a serious serial team shopping and uh i i agree it is really about um you know if i'm not hitting third playing shortstop on kelly's team i go to tommy's team and hit third and then if i don't play on tommy's team i just make my own team up and you get a lot yeah. of false positives. You get a lot of people who create an environment for themselves where they could come away thinking their kid is something that he just isn't. Uh, well, you're absolutely right about that, Tommy. What I find, and I'm not inv- involved in the, obviously, high school coaching, but the high school coaches here are really good friends of mine, and they're good men, and they're good coaches. It has an adversarial effect on the high school coach and the high school program as well. Oh, big time. Because the travel ball coach can tell them one thing. And oh, well, my travel ball coach says this. No question. Pop, 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 and I'm playing here. And in well, New- yeah, you're also, it's all, they're also charging you to play there as well. So, right. If you pay me uh, enough I'm money, gonna, I'll, I'll tell you anything. <laughs> I'll tell you your kid's the greatest thing since Mickey Mantle. If yeah, you pay me enough money. Exactly. Exactly. Because, uh, and I said, Hey man, I travel ball is good for, it's really good for people who run a travel ball. Uh, I'm not sure how beneficial it it is for the kids. I've had I've had two students, I've had two students. I had one kid that was on a travel ball team. He came into my class. He had pitched four days in a row in a tournament <laughs> in January. Oh God! And I had there's another kid that had gone out in January at a tournament. This was years ago, and he threw like a hundred and twenty pitches or so in a game in January before his high school season started. And I'm like, why is that happening? Why? I, I, it makes my blood boil to talk about situations like that. The kid that pitched four days in a row, his, his homework assignment that night was to go find a major leaguer that threw four nights in a row. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it just, I, I just don't get it. And it makes me mad. And uh, I hate to see those coaches expose those kids like that. For what reason? I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, it's a lot. Of, you know, it's money. You guys are making yeah. money. You know, with this, follow the money. 
Um, you know it, I know it, and I think guys like us, you know, all evil needs to triumph is for good men to stand idly by and do nothing, and you and I are not going to stand idly by and do nothing. Yeah. We're going to speak our minds, and when parents ask me, I give them the honest truth about it. You know, just, just a real quick aside, I, I offered a group of parents recently, I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you forget about this travel ball for the fall, and here's what I'll do. I'll meet you Saturday and Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, we'll do a pro-style workout, and then we'll have a controlled game. I'll invite another team to come in, and it'll be like instructional ball. I couldn't get right. any. I couldn't get anybody to bite. Literally, Is that right? couldn't get enough people to feel like if I got six or eight kids, I could have had you know a makeshift game or whatever. And I thought to right. myself, each kid's going to get a couple of hundred ground balls, a couple hundred fly balls. Swing until your hands bleed. You know, we'll work with the pitchers. You're going to get a lot of work, and then you're going to play a controlled game. But you know what? They wanted the travel ball because that's what all the other kids get. Yeah, that's exactly. what all the other kids and are I, doing. You know, I, I find it's a lot of peer pressure, Tommy. Not only with the, not only with the kids. Oh no, it's not about the kids. There's a lot of, there's a lot of peer pressure amongst the parents. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, yeah. no doubt. Kids, this, kids are the same this, they've always been, Kelly. They're the same they've always been. It's the parents who have changed. Yeah, I, absolutely. And you know, the you know, I think my least favorite word in baseball is commitment or committed. You know, I'm committed to and. I'm an early commit, uh, an early commit oh, to this university. Um, I would like, I would love for players to say, "Hey, uh, I am totally committed to becoming the best baseball player Thank I can you. be and the best teammate I can be Thank this you. year." And then whatever happens, happens. Let the chips but, fall yeah, away, this, man. This signing and this, yeah, and you know, like I go back to the parents. It's like, well, where your, where's your kid going, or where's your kid committed yep. to? And if, yep. and if their kid's not. You know, I think they they fear, feel pressure to get their kid committed. So when they yep. get asked that question, they can say, yeah, I'm, my son's going here and my son's going there. I find the same thing at Loyola High School. There's a lot of peer pressure because we're college prep. And when yep. Yep. one kid says he's going to Harvard, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it kind of hurts a little bit when the other kid, and I'm a big proponent of junior college, and another kid say, you know, saying that he's going to a JC, which yep. I'm like, man, I want to shout from the mountaintop that we have a kid that's not going to have to fork out 70 grand a year for a couple of years and, and get I'm his A you. out of the degree. And then kind <laughs> of all about where you, where you're going to finish school. So, I am so with anyhow. you. I am so with you, man. That's, that is, that is such great stuff. I hope people are listening because this is really, really good stuff. I couldn't agree more. You know, the only people that need to be committed are the parents who are, who need to have their kids committed. <laughs> they really need yeah, to be committed. <laughs> exactly. Um, you were exactly right about that. I'm, I'm going to do some housekeeping, Spotify, YouTube, TommyWeberBaseball.com, uh, at TommyWeberBball. Give us a shout on Twitter. Uh, I've got Kelly Nicholson with me, manager of the Orleans Firebirds. One other thing I always never let a conversation go by without mentioning for the number four mom, ALZ.com. It's the fight against Alzheimer's. Braden Bishop, uh, brother of our wonderful center fielder, Hunter Bishop, who's at Arizona State University, uh, founded this wonderful um, charitable organization. Their mom, Susie, who I had the honor of FaceTiming with this fall. Hunter and I were on the golf course and his mom called him and I was lucky enough to talk to Susie, who was in the battle of a lifetime. The bishops are battling the early onset of Alzheimer's and uh, 
The the devastation to a family that this disease takes is uh, something that all of us are hoping uh, in our lifetime we can see an end to. My father-in-law, George Purcell, passed away. He had Alzheimer's. So it's a a cause, not only because I love Hunter and he's a dear friend and a great player, but it's a cause that's really close and near and dear to me. And I just hope you guys visit the website. It's four, the number four mom, A-L-Z dot com. You can go on Rivet Revolution and buy one of these really cool bracelets that you always see me wearing um, that our whole ball club wore last year and this year. Um, and just, hey, give a give a give even a, a tweet of support um, just to make sure the bishops know and every other family that's battling this terrible disease knows you're out there rooting for them. It's all uh, for this one big family that we all belong to. So anyway, back to my friend, Kelly Nicholson. Kelly, um, I developed a game that I want to play now on the conversation. You are my, you are like the first test tube baby on the conversation. <laughs> We're going to okay. play. I'm, I, I call it quick pitch, right? So basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a couple of questions at you and um, hopefully we can have an Oprah moment and get you to cry. Uh, if not, if not, we'll work, we'll work on it. All right. Are you ready okay. to go? Okay. Kelly Got Nicholson, go. first guy to ever do quick pitch. It's like a rapid fire kind of thing. All right. Number one, What's the last show you binged watched? Uh, Homeland. Love that. That's a great show. I you know what? Ever since they killed Brody, though, the show changed. Yeah, I know, man. He 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 was my favorite dude on that show. How man. great was that? Is that that show is? And she's fabulous. She drives you nuts on that show. Great show. Yeah, All right. Great show. Next, favorite food. Whoa, good question, Tommy. I love I love steak. There's nothing like a good ribeye steak and potatoes and a good wet salad in a in a nice glass of Chardonnay. My kind of guy. If you're ever in New York, I'm taking you to Peter Luger, one of the great okay, steakhouses. I've heard of Peter Luger. I can, I'm a high school teacher, Tommy. I can't afford Peter Luger, but I'd let you, you know take what. Me. <laughs> Actually, I have a high school teacher friend of mine who was a mentor of mine, and we meet at Peter, Peter Luger before the start of every single season for like the last ten oh, years. Man. Yeah, but he's got one of those tier one pensions, so I let him pay. I got you. There you go. Good. Smart man. Smart man. Okay. So you can't teach anymore and you can't manage. What would you do? Oh, that's a great question. I would move to, I have a little place in San Diego. Don and I have a a condo in San Diego, Solana Beach, North County, San Diego, and it's rented right now. But when it is not, when when it is not rented, Tommy, and it's vacant, we are down there as often as we can possibly get down there. And I just, I love the beach. I love to read. I love to watch baseball. Um, you got, you got take, a book in you, man. You, know? you got a book in you. What's that? You have a book well, in you. Yeah. We, you know, we talk about that. We probably should have started writing a book about 18 summers ago and it'd be, there's some characters in it. That's for sure. And yep. some great stories, but I, I just love, I love North County. I love North County. San Diego. Okay, I, so you would hang out on uh, is that like La Jolla and down there and yeah, okay. it's just north of La Jolla, okay. about twenty minutes. It's a our place is an exit north of the Delmar racetrack, and it's just it's just east of the five freeway, and it's about a mile and a half from the water. And uh, man, it's my favorite place in the whole world. We'll we went, take that. We'll take when, that. Yeah, when we got back from the Cape, Don and I went down there and spent four days down there. Awesome, awesome. What's your favorite sound? Oh, I love the sound of waves in the morning, uh, walking on the beach. I, That's a good it's one. So peaceful. That's a good one. Okay, no, not related to you. You get 
three dinner guests not not living anymore. Three dinner guests right. not living anymore. Man, I was hoping you were going to say that they were living because number one would have been Phil Jackson. Um, not living anymore. I would like to have, hey, I would like to have dinner one more time with my mom and dad. Okay. They both have passed away of cancer. We have a lot in common, and, my friend. And probably what were your parents? What were your parents' names? Uh, my dad's name is was Chester. They called him Chet, and my mother's name is Laverne. Chet and Laverne. All right. They called her Mert. No, actually, Norma Laverne Nicholson. I love it. Um, so I would I would love to have I would love to have dinner with them one more time, Tommy, and and ask the questions that I've always wanted to ask that I don't have the answers to. And well, now you make it. Now you're making me cry. Right. Only they do. Yep. And, you know, in the, in the summertime, we, we talk about Abe Lincoln as kind of one of the pillars of one of the pillars of part of good communication, you know, honesty, trust, Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, and communication to have a good relationship. And I think he would, I've always been a big fan of, of Abraham Lincoln. I know when I was a little kid and I would go to Disneyland, that was my, the favorite thing that I would, uh, Partaken was going to that Abe Lincoln exhibit in Disneyland, and I, and I, I just loved it. So those would be my three. Those would be my three dinners. And now I'll let you. You you gave us the next question. I'm going to put that in. Living who would you who would you have dinner with? We know Phil Jackson. As you know, Phil Jackson is a. I'm a huge huge fan of of Phil Jackson. I sent you the Super Soul conversation. I'm all over that and the podcast with Phil. Um, I'm a huge fan of Pete Carroll. I love Pete Carroll. Uh, and then I, I have the utmost respect and admiration for Joe Torrey. I would love to Brooklyn sit down boy. with those three dudes and pick their brain and talk about life and talk about coaching and how they've become so successful. I try to read all their books and get all their literature and absorb as much as, you know, their wisdom as I possibly can. Joe Torrey from Brooklyn, you know, a very overweight kid. Terrific player, but always fought being overweight. And his brother used to mock oh. him. And I remember my oh, my dad, my dad knew him, um, and said that when he went when he signed, with, I guess the Milwaukee Braves. In those days, they'd put a wetsuit on you and just make you run. And <laughs> right, yeah, I'll just make you run. Times you, have changed a little bit. Yeah, huh? they have. They have. <laughs> you would get arrested for doing that today. That's a great. Yeah, I, no doubt. That's no a, doubt. a great threesome, though. Okay. When you get to the pearly gates, what do you hope St. Peter says to Kelly Nicholson? Uh, that's a good question. Um, that's a really, really good question. And I hope he would say that you've been a good man. Uh, and you've led an impactful life. And the people that have come in contact with you are better because of meeting you. And, you know, we, I, we talk about that with in the summer with our team. And I talk about that with our students here at Loyola high school. It's a powerful question. I think that we all need to ask of ourselves. And the question is, how do we, how do we want to be remembered? You bet. Um, and then try to live our lives that way daily. Uh, because I know that, you know, one day it's, it's going to be my last day. And I know that my, my best friend, Doug Fritz, hopefully 
will get up there and eulogize me. So what do I want him to to say about me? And what do I want Donna to say about me when, when I'm not on, not here on earth anymore? And it's a powerful question, but I think if we can answer that thing, honestly, then the way we live our lives and conduct ourselves, uh, it's pretty easy when it comes to the choices that we make. Well, my friend, I can say this, um, based on what I know, uh, a lot of what you're hoping for is going to become a reality. Uh, you are uh, a good friend, a terrific manager, uh, and most importantly, a, a really great guy. And uh, there aren't a lot of people that have much but good things to say about Kelly Nicholson, uh, the manager of the Orleans Firebirds, 36 years as a high school teacher, uh, a real servant, uh, if you will, and in, in the best uh, definition of that word, I can't, uh, I can't tell you uh, how, how happy I am that you, you let us off uh, as we start back after the Cape. Having you as a guest is really an honor. Um, you, you, um, you know, you, you acquit, you have acquitted yourself extremely, extremely well, uh, both on and off the field. And I can't thank you enough, my friend. Well, thank you, Tommy. It was an honor and a privilege to be part of this program. And it's, it's been great getting to know people like you back on the Cape. As, as I told somebody earlier, it's, say it's, it's really great to win games back there, and it hurts like heck to, to lose games, as you know. But it's, it's secondary to the relationships and the friends and the people that I've met back there, and, and you're, you fall right into that category. So thank you very much for thank having you. me, man. It's been, a, it's been a real honor and a real privilege to, that you thought enough of me to have me on your show. So. Thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you next summer, man. And well, you have, an have a great winter. And you have an open invitation. Friends. You have an open invitation to be on the show anytime you want. Well, thank you very much. Thank All right, you man. very much, Tommy. And we will talk soon. And Whitney Houston is going to take us out to one of Kelly's five favorite tunes. We have our hands over our hearts, our national anthem. Thanks, my friend. Be well. You bet. Thank you, Tommy. Take care. All right. Bye now. Thanks for listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. Have any thoughts on today's episode? Ideas for a new one? Join the conversation on Twitter at TommyWeberBball or Instagram at TommyWeberBaseball and share your thoughts. Tommy's back next week with a new episode of The Conversation. Subscribe and listen for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And of course, always at TommyWeberBaseball.com. Come.